0: You're listening to Summit Podcasts, where you'll find sermon audio, weekly discussions of the message, the Back 40 Leadership Podcast, and much, much more. Subscribe today at summitpodcasts.church and share this episode with your friends. Summit Church, every life made different. So today, some of you right now are like, it's 10 minutes till. (laughs) Mel is long-winded. You're right. I will be done before one, I promise, no matter what. Don't worry, we're gonna continue our series today on the table and over the last few weeks we've talked about the benefits of coming to the table and coming to the table of Christ and what does that look like and what does it mean and what are the benefits of that? And so two weeks we talked about belonging, that we find belonging when we come to the table. The Mephibosheth was a young man who was orphaned and he was disabled and David the king invited him to the table. He found a place of belonging at David's table last week we talked about Psalm 23 and in verse five how it says, you prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. And what does that mean? That God is our provider, but he's also our protector. That if God invites us to sit at the table with people who will, uh, wish us harm, then God will protect us as our host and as our good shepherd. And if, if God is our provider and protector, then we can find deep rest in that, that I don't have to worry about myself. I don't have to worry about my future if I can trust God so I can find rest for my soul in that. By, by sitting at the table with Christ, there's rest. And this week, I wanna to talk to you not about a benefit, but something that's a, it's really a cost for us. And I wanna to talk to you a little bit today about sacrifice because when we... Invite someone to the table, there is a sacrifice, but when we sit at the table, there can be a sacrifice as well. So let me start in Luke chapter, uh, Luke chapter 14. In Luke chapter 14, Jesus had been invited to come to the table of the um, leader of the, Phil, uh, the Pharisees. And On his way, on the Sabbath, this was a Shabbat dinner, on his way to dinner, he heals a man and caused a little ruckus and then he gets to dinner. And so when he gets to the Pharisees' home, this is what he sees, it says, when Jesus noticed that all who had come to dinner were trying to sit in the seats of honor near the head of the table, he gave them this advice. When you're invited to a wedding feast, don't sit in the seat of honor. What if someone who's more distinguished than you has also been invited? The host will come and say, give this person your seat. Then you're gonna be embarrassed. <laughs> and you'll, you'll have to take whatever seat is left at the foot of the table. And he says, instead, take the lowest place at the foot of the table. Then when your host sees you, he'll come and say, friend, we have a better place for you. Then you'll be honored in front of the other guests. For those who exalt themselves will be humbled, and those who humble themselves will be exalted. And this is a principle we see throughout Scripture that if I humble myself before the Lord, He'll exalt me, but if I exalt myself, He will humble me. And I want you to know you do not want to be humbled by God, that is not a good thing. But, but what he's saying is when we come to the table, we come to the table humbly. We don't expect anything. We don't expect that we are the one who's going to get the attention and honor. Because if we do, if we come with that expectation, there's an excellent chance we're going to be disappointed. There's an excellent chance that we're going to find out maybe this dinner isn't all about me. And that's how many people approach church. That it's all about me. It's all about what I want. It's all about I'm the star of the show, and then they're disappointed when they're not. Let's be honest, this is how we approach marriage sometimes too, that it's all about me. But if we will take the lowest seat and defer the honor to someone else, it's amazing how relationship and health ensues when we do this. And so this is just a practical piece of advice for coming to the table. We come to the table with humility. Then in verse 12, he says, turn to the host, and he says this when you put on a luncheon or a banquet, don't invite your friends, brothers, relatives, and rich neighbors, for they'll invite you back and that will only be your only reward. So this is what he says. This doesn't make sense because we go, well, if I'm having a dinner, I wanna invite the people I love. I'm gonna invite my buddies, my friends, you know, the people that are close to me. And Jesus isn't saying don't invite people you love to dinner, but he's saying don't do it exclusively. Let me go on. He says, Instead, invite the poor, the crippled, the lame, the blind. Then at the resurrection of the righteous, God will reward you for inviting those who could not repay you. So Jesus wasn't saying, don't invite people you're friends with, but he said, don't invite people just because of what they can do for you. When my girls were little, we would have a list, like birthday would be coming up and they would be making their list of who to invite. And there would be people on the list, we'd inspect the list, and there'd be times I'd be like, well, wait a second, are you really friends with them? And we would come to find out that maybe she was just in it for the gifts, right? My daughters were like strategizing, like, hmm, right? And me as the parent I know, if they, if we invite them, they're gonna invite us, and now we're gonna have to buy them a gift too. And it's like, no, let's trim this, this list down a little bit. This guest list doesn't have to be, this isn't the royal wedding, right? Like, like. We can knock this down a little bit. But their motivation sometimes was, what am I going to get out of it? It wasn't about relationship. It wasn't about friendship. It was all about, how does this benefit me? And there are times we invite people to the table and we simply invite them because of what it means for us. Well, I'm gonna invite them to the table because I'll be seen with them, uh, because I get some esteem from being in relationship with them. Uh, Maybe they'll invite us to their table They've got a nice house and if we invite them, they'll have to invite us and I wanna eat at their house. I wanna see what it looks like. So let's invite them so, and Jesus is saying, this is wrong motivation. It's selfishly motivated. And when we invite people to the table, it should be a sacrifice for us. That we say, we are sacrificing for you. I'm not looking to get anything out of it. This is about you serving others, blessing others. And this is why Jesus said, hey, invite people who could never invite you to their table you're never gonna get anything out of it. This is one of the reasons I think um, Summit is differentiated in many ways in our communities because, because we tend to serve with no strings attached. We, we, we try not to bless people and then be like, now come to church this weekend, because it feels like we're expecting reciprocity, right? We've done, done for you, now here's your quid, now the pro quo, let's go. But when we serve people and we bless people who we don't expect to bless us back, there's something really powerful about that. And Jesus said, you need to invite them to your table. You need to invite people to your table and it needs to cost you something. Remember what we talked about last week, that a host was responsible for providing for and protecting the people that they invited into their home. You're expected to provide for the people that show up your meal at the table, right? Um, It's going to cost you something. We talked through this last week a little bit that that you got to clean the house before the people show up. You got to prep the food. You got to go to the store and buy it. You got to select a menu, figure out what you're going to offer. You've got to do all the prep work, get it all ready. The house is ready, the setting is ready, everything's ready, they show up and then it's like, uh, you know, like locusts descending on a field and the food disappears and the people are gone and now you've got the cleanup and you've got to clean up and it's a sacrifice. But it's worth it. Jesus says it's a sacrifice to invite people to your table. It costs you time, it costs you money, it's probably gonna cost you comfort. Let's be honest, we like to be comfortable, don't we? We like, we like stretchy pants. Oh, I watched Nacho Libre this last week. Oh, he's got some stretchy pants. I like stretchy pants. <laughs> that might be one of our At The Movies movies this year, by the way, I'm just throwing that out there. Just saying, it's, it's a contender. We like to be comfortable. And when people come to our house, it's not always comfortable. There's a sacrifice that's demanded. But, but let's be honest, it's not always comfortable going to other people's tables either, is it? Like if you go to somebody else's house, at least they have to cook. And, but it's comfortable being at home, isn't it? And when they invite you to your house, their house, you don't know what you're gonna get. You don't know what they're gonna to present to you. And remember what we said, if you go to someone else's house, if you reject what they present you, what they provide for you, it's, it's you rejecting them. That's why when you go on a foreign mission trip, whatever you have in front of you, you eat it, because you don't wanna to, to reject them or reject their culture, so you take it, right? That's uncomfortable sometimes. So there was a family, a couple that's been part of our, had been part of our church for a long time. Some of you will know uh, Wilbur and Violet Hostler. I love the Hostler so very much. And Violet passed away uh, a while back, And, and Wilbur has gone on to get remarried to a lovely woman, uh, named Marion. And uh, now they live out in uh, in Lancaster County. And so I miss I miss seeing Wilbur. I miss Violet. And they used to sit right up here on the third row on my right, your left. And Wilbur was a retired minister. And they were just such a blessing to Kim and I. They were such an encouragement and a help and uh, just a prayer support. And I would talk to him at times. I would give him the inside scoop on some things we were doing or thinking. And so Uh, after she had been diagnosed with cancer, before she had passed, I was at their house and I was gonna talk to them about our new Blairsville location and some things we were thinking and just let them in on some of the stuff I was excited about God doing. And so I'm, I'm sitting at their kitchen table and Violet's sitting to my right and Wilbur's sitting across from me and they say, pastor, would you like tea? I'm like, does the Pope wear a funny hat? The answer is yes, he does, by the way. (laughs) So they're all right. They get this pitcher out, this ice, I mean, this glass pitcher. They get me a glass out of the cabinet. It's not this like 32-ounce plastic cupware that you get like from fast food restaurants. It's a glass. And they pour the tea and they hand it to me and they say, it's mint tea fresh from our garden. So I take the glass I got to be honest with you. I'm not a fruity tea guy. I'm not a mint tea guy. I like black tea. I want it to be bitter. Right? And so I'm taking this glass, it's approaching my lips. They say, "How is it?" It was really good. <laughs> mm. 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 Mm-hmm. Mm. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Thank you so much for the tea. Oh, thank you. Okay. So we spent about two hours talking. And typically, if I go to a restaurant and they're serving tea, like the the waitress or the waiter better just plan on having like a revolving door coming to the table because I'm drinking a lot of tea. Like I'm going to do some damage to the tea uh, supply in that, in that, restaurant because I'm gonna drink so much and while I was sitting at the hostler's table um, I maybe about that much left the cup more evaporated than I drank probably and from time to time I would move it to my lips and I would just make the sound of drinking like you know but nothing would actually come in my mouth like like I was sipping it like it was hot soup or something so I would just take a little sip you know and set it down at the end of the conversation, we were finished and we stood up and Wilbur said, you didn't like the tea, did you? Like, I did not, Wilbur was terrible, it was horrible. It was like, please don't serve that to anyone you love ever again. Don't, it's just bad. Now that situation is different because we have a good relationship and I could say something like that to them. But, but let's be honest, when you go to someone's house, you don't know what you're gonna get. You don't know what it's gonna look like. It's uncomfortable, and we don't like to be uncomfortable. And the fact is that when we come to the table, sometimes it requires a sacrifice. Not just when we invite people to the table, but when we come to the table, it requires sacrifice. Even Christ's table. And unfortunately, too many times in Western church, we say things like, well, if you just surrender your life to Jesus, your life will be better. Everything's gonna be good. Your marriage will be better. Your life will be better if you just sign on this dotted line. And there's some truth to that, but let's be honest. Salvation doesn't fix every problem in my life. If you've got a bad marriage before salvation, your marriage doesn't automatically heal after salvation. You're still gonna have problems and issues. You're still gonna have challenges. And the truth is when we come to Christ's table, it requires something of us. In Luke chapter nine, Jesus is talking. He says this, he said to the crowd, if any of you wants to be my follower, you must give up your own way, take up your cross daily and follow me. If you try to hang on to your life, you'll lose it. But if you give up your life for my sake, you'll save it. And what do you benefit if you gain the whole world, but are yourself lost or destroyed? What does it profit a man to gain the whole world and lose his own soul? He asked this question. What difference does it make, right? The first statement he makes in verse 23, in the English Standard Version, he says it this way, if anyone should come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. Let him deny himself. Uh, Today is the 22nd and some of you um, you were part of our 21 days of prayer and fasting as we started the year. And uh, I thought you guys look a little happier today. Some of you have eaten like bread for the first time in three weeks or meat or whatever it is. So I know some of you lay down a lot of stuff. Some of you maybe not as much. But whatever it is, it was a sacrifice. Um, and so thank you for being part of the 21 days. But today is the 22nd day. And sometimes when we think of denying ourselves, we think about it in terms of um, temptation, like like during that 21 days, maybe you gave up sweets and you know, you know how this is, 10.30 at night, you're kinda hungry, you go to the kitchen, you're looking around and you see that leftover Christmas candy. It's calling to you like a siren, right? And you think in that moment, if I just deny myself, this is what it's talking about. You have to deny yourself. And this is what Jesus wants me to do, deny myself. And we think this is what it is. Or if, if you were fasting meat during the month of January or the first three weeks maybe, you know, oh, I, I, want, I want some beef jerky. I want some bacon, right? And you're like, I'm not gonna do it. I'm denying myself. We feel better about it. But this isn't really what it's talking about. Uh, the, the word deny in this passage is a, um, it's a Greek word. Uh, it's arnaomai. And arneomai, uh, it does mean to deny, but typically it's used in the context of relationship. So to, de- to deny someone, to deny oneself, to disregard his own interests or to prove false to himself, act entirely unlike himself. So this is the same word that was used. We talked a couple of weeks ago about Peter denying Christ. So when Peter denied Christ, this is the same word that was used there as well. And And when Peter denied Christ, what he was saying is, I don't know that guy. I don't know who he is, I've never met him, I have no relationship with him. And this is the context we need to look at this word in, that when Jesus says, hey, if you wanna be my disciple, you have to deny yourself. What he's saying is, there has to be a fundamental change in us that we cannot institute on our own that only comes through relationship with Jesus. That this change, this transformation happens and we're able to say, I didn't even know that guy. That we don't have this temptation to go back and forth and I'm Christian Mel, no, I'm sinner Mel, right? Old life, new life, going back and forth and we tend to think about th- that, those kind of terms. Like I'm gonna waffle and, and Jesus saying, no, no, no. No, 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 no. That is dead and gone, right? We deny ourselves. We say, I don't even know that guy. Hey, you remember when we used to, no, I don't even, I don't even know who you're talking about. That, that, that guy, I don't know. I don't even know him. Who? who? This, is, this is where we need to be in our hearts and in our lives, that, that we are willing to deny who we were. I don't even know them. There's a quote, says, when Jesus calls a man, he bids him come and die. See, we think the invitation to the table is an invitation for all this good stuff, and it is, but what we don't understand is that Jesus is inviting us to come and lay ourselves down, to die to ourselves. That it's easy to deny who I was and deny knowing my old self, because my old self isn't just, hanging out in the background. The old self is dead, gone. (laughs) Even in terms of, I mean, think about it in this way. Um, I talk to couples a lot, struggling in their marriage. What do I need to do? Die. You need to die to yourself. But what what if she doesn't? That's not up to you. You can control you. You know what you need to do? You need to die. You need to lay yourself down. You need to say, I'm not gonna hold grudges and grievances. I'm not going back. I don't even know who that was. Jesus is inviting us to die. So he says, if anybody wants to be my follower, you must give up your own way. You must deny yourself and then take up your cross daily. Take up your cross daily. This is one I love because I'll talk to people and, and we use this phrase, it's my cross to bear for things <laughs> that are pretty trivial. Like, oh, my husband leaves his socks in the living room floor. That's my cross to bear. Really? Jesus got a real cross, that doesn't seem so bad. Those socks on the living room floor don't seem so bad. And right now some of the husbands, this is the only thing you've heard you're nudging your wife right now, like see. For the record, I leave my socks in the living room floor sometimes, so. But we say, well that's my cross to bear. Oh, my boss is a jerk. That's my cross to bear. Eh, really? That doesn't feel that bad compared to the actual cross, right? Like we're getting off pretty easy compared to Jesus and here's the thing when we think about the crucifixion the Romans reserved the crucifixion for people who were guilty of heinous crimes uh, or people who were guilty of of subverting the government in one way or the other so people who were rebels or people who had performed heinous crimes and typically it was reserved for people who were not Roman citizens On occasion, they would crucify a Roman citizen, but it would have to be an extreme case. So people would be crucified and typically their bodies would be left for days, three or four, five days. um, They would be left up. And the reason their bodies were left up would be as a deterrent to people in the future. It was basically like saying, here's what you get when you behave like these people behaved. If you push back against the Romans, here's what's gonna happen to you. And it was a reminder to them that you just fall into place and do what you're told, basically. To try to keep people in line. This this phrase, take up your cross, by the way, Jesus said this before he went to the cross. He said it a couple different times. He says, take up your cross. So let me read the other place in Luke where he says it. This is in Luke chapter 14. It says a large crowd was following Jesus. He turned around and said to them, if you wanna be my disciples, you must, by comparison, hate everyone else, your father and mother, wife and children, brothers and sisters, yes, even your own life. Otherwise, you cannot be my disciples. And if you do not carry your own cross and follow me, you cannot be my disciple. This is hardcore. You don't hate your father and mother and your wife and your kids sister and brother and some of you are like hey Mel I'm not there but I'm getting close with my wife like I'm halfway I'm halfway that's not what we're talking about okay relax Jesus says by comparison there's other translations that say if you don't hate but the New Living Translation explains it a little differently so so this is what Jesus is saying he's not saying hate your wife and hate your parents and hate your kids that's not what he's saying at all But what he's saying is, your affection for me must be so supreme and so complete that by comparison, your affection for everyone else looks like hate. So when my girls were little, they used to ask questions like, "Um, Daddy, do you love me more than Abby? And I would say, yes. I'm just kidding, I didn't. Some of you were judging me, weren't you? You're like, man, what a bad parent. And they would go through the list. Do you love me more than Nana? And I'm like, yes, I love you more than Nana. Do you love me more than so and so? And they would go through the list of people and I would tell them. And then they would inevitably get to Mama. Do you love me more than Mama? i say, no, I do not. I love Mama more than I love you. And some of you might think that's a little harsh, but what I wanted to do was communicate to my girls, no matter what happens, I love your mom more than I love you. I love you very, very much, but I love your mom more. Because what it does is it creates an atmosphere that my girls understand, no matter what is going on in the world, no matter what is going on in our home, daddy loves mama so much that nothing is ever gonna break that up. It creates a sense of security. But I would also add on and say, but here's the thing, I love mama so much that I can love you less and I still love you more than you can possibly imagine. See, I wasn't saying they weren't loved. What I was saying is, I just love mama more. And what Jesus is saying is, it's not that you can't love your mother and father or your spouse or your kids or your brothers and sisters, but by comparison to your affection for Christ, you have to be able to go, yeah, but I don't love you as much. And that's hard for most of us. It's hard for us to wrap our brains around that, right? Because it doesn't make sense. But this is what Jesus is inviting us to. And then he finishes up with verse 27. He says, if you don't carry your own cross and follow me, you can't be my disciple. So what does this mean? Well, the Romans would crucify people guilty of subversion, insurrections they would crucify them not just to punish them because they could have punished them a hundred different ways. They could have killed them much quicker than they did but they would do this to basically wring the life out of them. (laughs) They would do this to prove a point. And so crucifixion showed that although this person, the condemned, had rebelled against the authority, this condemned person was now so completely and utterly conquered that they were going to carry the instrument of their own death to the location of their death. And that walk along the way was evidence to people that no matter who I was before, now I am subjected to the proper authority. And when Jesus issues an invitation to us to be his follower, to come to his table, what he's saying is, hey, pick up your cross daily. Every single day, we should be picking up the cross. Because what they would do is they would pick up this cross beam and then they would drag it to the place where they would ultimately be crucified. And Jesus is inviting us to every single day, say to the world, hey, I am subjecting myself and I'm submitting myself today, afresh and anew to the authority of Jesus Christ. Every single day we have to do this. That's why I said daily, because every day we have to recommit our hearts and say, I am submitted to your authority today. Every decision I make is not my decision, it's your decision. Everything I do in my life, it's about you. I'm gonna filter my decisions. I'm gonna filter my emotions. I'm gonna filter everything through you and not me. I'm gonna deny myself. I'm gonna pick up my cross. And he says, follow me. See, it's a daily invitation to the table of Christ. But it's a sacrifice. It's a sacrifice of comfort. It's a sacrifice of of selfishness. It's a sacrifice of finances, of time. It's a sacrifice. Christ, he didn't mince any words about this. You know, when he invited his followers, he was the worst salesperson ever, by the way. Did you know that? He was like, hey, you gotta hate your family if you wanna follow me, right? There was one time he said, hey, you've gotta eat my flesh and drink my blood. And people were like, ah, oh, pass, right? Right? He would tell his followers, hey, if you follow me, you're not gonna have any place to live. Foxes have places to live, but we don't. You think people were signing up for that? He was telling people from the start, this is gonna be hard. It's gonna cost you something. There is sacrifice required by sitting at the table. But yet we think it's supposed to be easy and comfortable and convenient, and it's not. See, the... Take up your cross is about submitting to the authority of Christ. I'm not the boss, you are. My old self is gone, I don't even know him anymore. Matthew chapter 28. Matthew 28, um, Jesus is moments away from the ascension, and he says, I've been given all authority in heaven and on earth. And this is what he says, I've been given authority, all authority on heaven and earth. And you know people that have authority, some of you have authority but your authority is limited. I've got authority in the context of our church, but even my authority is limited. I can't call out the National Guard, right? I couldn't do it if I wanted to. Why? Because I don't have the authority. Um, Your boss has authority, but their authority is limited. They may be able to fire you, um, but they can't take away your house. They can't, right? Because they've got limited authority the president of the United States has limited authority. There's not a figure you can think of or imagine who does not have limited authority except for Jesus. Jesus says, all authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. No one can tell me no, right? I don't have to check with my manager or my boss about any decision. You're talking to the decision maker, that's what he's saying. That's a a big claim. All authority has been given to me. And do you know what he decides to do with the authority? He doesn't make us comfortable. He doesn't make us happy. He doesn't say, hey, I'm just gonna help you live your best life. Do you know what he says? Verse 19. Therefore, he says, because I have the authority... I'm giving you authority. Go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them. In the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, teach these new disciples to obey all the commands I've given you. And be sure of this, I'm with you always, even to the end of the age. With the authority, all the authority of heaven and earth that Jesus has, he is inviting us to go and invite other people to the table. He said, you've got a seat But I've got more seats available. Go fill this thing up. It reminds me of a story from Luke chapter 14 where Jesus tells a story about a man who puts on this feast and they start inviting people. And when it's time for the feast, they're, okay, the feast is ready. Let's go. People have all kinds of excuses. Oh, I can't. I just bought a field and I need to check on it. Oh, no, 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 I'm sorry, Uh, I just bought a cow. Oh, I can't, I'm, I'm getting married. They have excuses, and they're valid excuses. But he was preparing for them. And so these people aren't showing up, and the guy who's throwing the party says to his servants, go to the hedges and the highways. He says, go to the country lanes. Go wherever you need to go and compel them to come to my house compel them to sit at the table. This is what Jesus has done with his authority. He has invited us to invite people to the table, to to make disciples, to show them the goodness of our God. But it's gonna cost us something. You're gonna have to sacrifice. But here's my promise. Whatever you sacrifice is worth the return. See, some of you, God might be speaking to you right now. He might be speaking to you about a call to ministry. God, my job's too good. I don't know if I could do that. It requires sacrifice. Maybe maybe God's talking to you about that neighbor that you've avoided, but you know you're supposed to talk to about the Lord. walk across the street, take them some brownies. Go build a relationship with them. It's gonna cost you something to do that. Maybe God's speaking to you about taking some time off of work and doing a short-term three-month mission trip with Overland Missions. Saying, okay, I'm gonna sacrifice. This is gonna be a risk. But is it if God's telling you to do it? There's a story in Matthew Uh, Chapter 13, Jesus tells a story, two stories. He said, the kingdom of God is like like this field, it's a treasure that's buried in a field. And this man stumbles upon this treasure in this field and he reburies it and he sells everything he has so that he can get enough money to buy this field. And he does it. He said, it's like this merchant who has discovered this pearl of great price this valuable pearl and he sells everything he has so he can buy this pearl now people might look at them and go you're selling everything to buy this field and it looks crazy unless you know what the real value is see it looks like a sacrifice for them but it doesn't feel like a sacrifice for them they're going oh no, no you guys are crazy because i know what's in the field you're selling everything to buy a pearl? Yeah, but you don't have any idea what the value of that pearl is. I do. See, Christ is inviting us to live a life of sacrifice, to come to the table and lay something down, but what we are laying down is tiny compared to what we are picking up, what He is putting in our hand. So, what is He asking you to lay down? Comfort, time, finances your place in society? I don't know. The Holy Spirit's dealing with you right now. I'm gonna turn it over to Pastor Colin there in Blairsville. He's gonna give you a chance to respond. I love you guys more than you know. I'm so glad I get to be your pastor. God bless you. Let's pray together in this room. Lord, thank you for loving us. Thank you for being good to us. Thank you that before we could ever come to the table, you sent Jesus to be our atoning sacrifice. He laid down his life sacrificially for us, made a place for us, I thank you for that. Everything we do, everything we have is because of him. So Lord, thank you for what you've done. I pray today, if there are those that are here that don't know you, let today be the day that they say yes, that they surrender their lives to you, that they see that there is cost associated with it, but the cost that's associated with it is more than worth the return. God minister in us Lord I pray for those that are here today that would say they're Christians but maybe they're struggling they're struggling with the sacrifice they're struggling with what it looks like and I just pray today God you give us hearts that would say I'm gonna deny myself I don't even know that old person anymore I've got a new life in Christ and God help us to pick up our crosses every day that we submit to your authority we submit to you and who you are and what you want for our lives. God, I pray that that would be a daily routine for us, that we would acknowledge and submit to your authority individually and corporately as a church. So God, got to have your way with us through these next few moments. Now, with nobody looking around with your head bowed and your eyes closed, if you're here and you'd say to me, Mel, no, I'm not really serving God, I'm not in a relationship with God, but I want to be, I, I'm, I don't care the price, whatever it takes. I want a seat at that table. I want, to, I want to know Christ. So I'm just tired of the life I'm living and I want what he has to offer. If that's you, would you be bold enough to put your hand up real high where I can see it? You can put it right back down. Yeah, thank you. On my right, I see you. Yeah, a couple of hands. Who else would say that's me? No, pray for me. Yeah, thanks, sir. On my left, I see you. Yeah, a couple of hands on my left, on the back. I see you both. Praise God. Who else would say, Mel, pray for me? Yep, I see you. Awesome, awesome. Just a few more seconds. Anyone else wanna join these? Romans chapter 10, verse nine says, if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised from the dead, you shall be saved. So we're gonna pray a prayer out loud, all of us in this room. And we're gonna confess this with our mouth. But this isn't a one-time thing. Every single day of our lives, we're making a confession of this as well. So we're gonna confess that Jesus is Lord, but we're gonna believe it from our heart as well. So we're not just gonna say these words with our mouths. We're gonna pray them from our soul. So pray this prayer with me, everyone in this place. Heavenly Father, thank you for sending Jesus, your only son, to pay the price for my sins on the cross. From this day forward, I commit my life to you. Use me for your glory. I'm never going back to my old way or my old life. From now on, I'm yours. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Can we give God a round of applause this morning for what he's done? Thank you, Lord. Listen, if you prayed that prayer and you meant it, whether you raised your hand or not, Scripture says you're a new creation. The old is gone and the new has come. So we want to help you on your faith journey. We want to help you with the next step. So help us help you. The simplest thing for you to do would be to either fill out the card in the seat back in front of you, take it to the info center when we're done here in just a minute, uh, give it to them. They're going to give you a new Bible, and they're going to get some info from you. And uh, in the next couple of days, one of our team is going to reach out to you and help you begin to grow in your faith. You can either do that, or if you'd prefer, you can simply text PA to 94000 and let us know about your decision. Text Summit PA to 94000. Whether you're here in the room or watching online and, uh, and somebody, we're gonna text you back. We're gonna get some info from you and get resources in the mail to you to help you begin to grow in your faith. But we want to help you grow. We wanna help you become who God wants you to be. And um, so thank you for taking the first step in your journey. Here's what's gonna happen right now. These guys are gonna lead us in one final song. We're gonna sing together. While we're singing this final song, some of our staff and prayer team are gonna be here at the front of this room And if you'd like prayer for any reason at all, no matter what it may be, our team is here to pray with you. Maybe you need a physical healing in your body. Um, We'd be honored to pray with you about that. We believe God is a healing God and he can do it today. Uh, Maybe you're here today and you just, you wanna be empowered by the baptism of the Holy Spirit. We'd love to pray with you about that. No matter what it may be, anything in between, we're here to pray for you about any need you may have. So why don't you stand your feet all over the room. We're gonna worship together one more time before we go today. But guys, I love you more than you know, and I am so glad to get to be your pastor. God bless you. Have an awesome week. If you enjoy this content, please let us know by rating and reviewing the podcast. You can also contact us at summitpodcast.church. Remember to share this episode with your friends and on social media. Summit Podcasts can be found on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you listen to podcasts. We're there. Thank you for listening to Summit Podcasts, and we will see you in the next episode.